Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, everybody. Good evening. How you doing? I know it's evening for some people and nighttime for some people and still afternoon for me. It's only five, but uh, West Coast, right? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Let me get my mic adjusted here a little bit. Okay. Uh, we are we are based out of Sacramento, California, 45 strong, up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal issue or you think you might have a paranormal issue, we can get out there and help you. It might take us a while. California is a huge state. But we do have people stationed, you know, all over the place. And if we can't get you right away, I will, I will be sure to put you in touch with one of our mediums who can call you and maybe settle things down or help you help you out with, with whatever's going on. Okay, that mouthful is done. Where can you find us? Well, right here on Facebook. Um, uh, go ahead and send me a, a, a private email, you know, and I'll uh, get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, we're on several pages on Facebook. And that being said, if you're tonight, you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see in here and you haven't done so yet, please hit that follow button. Always looking for followers and uh, show us some love. OK, you know, the more love you show us, the higher in the rankings we get and uh, just the way the, the, the algorithms run. All right. Same thing for YouTube. If you're watching us from YouTube tonight, um, hit the slap that uh, ghost on the head there, that ghost with the uh, magnifying glass the Sherlock Holmes hat, and that'll subscribe you to our videos if you haven't done so already. We have more than 550 videos over on YouTube, and they're all of this show. Different topics. I'm a journalist. I don't like to cover the same topic all the time. So you're going to get a big variety of topics. So I'm sure if you go down through the videos, you'll find something you like. And I see you guys doing that. I, I'm seeing comments in the recent couple recent weeks going back for months. I love it. I love it. I love it. Anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. Tonight we have a special guest. She's just about her fourth or fifth time on here, I think. I think. And uh, we always have a lot of fun with her. <laughs> One night we went for like three hours <laughs> just chit-chatting. But uh, we have a lot of fun with her. She's got a new book coming out in April. And right now, every Sunday or every every, every night where a guest uh, has you know something come up, we read from a paranormal-themed book. And right now we are really reading from Adam, Anna's book unholy structure and i can tell you from my point of view being a paranormal investigator for the past 25 years uh this book is, is spooky it is spooky and i'll discuss some of that with her you know and, and some of the things i see in there that that, that stand out to me you know we're, we're only up to we're only starting chapter 18 on sunday but there's already things that are standing out to me in this book that that have the wild factor with this case that these guys are on and it's based on a true story. It's based on a true ghost uh, the paranormal investigation that took place. And so, yeah, it's got the wow factor. That's for sure. Okay. Now that I've said all that, you can find us at Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Cal Haunts. You can find us at California Haunts on TikTok. You can find me on Instagram at, at Ghosty Gal on its all lowercase. Follow, follow, follow. Uh, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash California Haunts Radio. See, it's that easy. So we're everywhere and Facebook. We got like four or five pages on Facebook as well and meetup.com. So we're over there too. So anytime you type us in, we're going to come up everywhere. 
All right. Well, without further ado, my good friend Anna Maria Manalo joins us. Let's do this. Hey. hey. <laughs> I'm out of breath now. You can start. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to dim the lighting to put some mood lighting in here, but I think it, it got too dark. There you go. It's okay. No, you it's look okay. good. Yeah. You look good. All right. Cool. <laughs> I don't know for how long, but yeah, you, you told me about that uh, spooky stuff that happened to you before we got on the air. Yes. yes. Well, it wasn't really spooky. It just, it just it scared the hell out of me, but that's okay. I mean, that's what your books are. That's what the book's supposed to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Put you on edge. And like I said, coming from the perspective of a paranormal investigator, there's a lot of uh, red flags already popping up in the first 17 chapters of this book. Oh, no. you know? <laughs> These guys are going through already, you know, and it's like, hey, hey. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's like, okay, guys, here's what happened, and I'll be good about I did a pre-read on the book so I could get a feel for the rhythm and everything in the book. And this is the, and me, you know, I'm working until 2, 3 in the morning, so I shouldn't be reading crap like that. At, I'm not saying crap. You know what I mean? I shouldn't be reading ghost stories <laughs> at 2 and 3 in the morning. It's a no-no. I don't even do EVP at 2 or 3 in the morning because it's a no-no. But there I am sitting here, you know, reading. And I always have a couple of bottles of, of water in here with me. And so I had some empty bottles in here. And I'm reading away and I'm really getting into it. And all of a sudden, one, one of the bottles of water expanded. And I jumped about a foot off my chair. So that ought to tell you how spooky the book is. For someone that's seen this stuff before. So there's some spooky stuff. The other thing I noticed is I also have a cord that hangs back here. And this is what powers this thing up. And it was moving around by itself the last night, the last couple of nights while I was sitting here looking at the book and stuff. So I don't know, man. Mm -hmm. But it's a great book, Unholy Structure, guys. Thank you. I, I have to tell you, Shard, that when I was listening to John, the investigator, yes, uh, who inspired me to write this particular case, um, a lot of strange things happen because, well, you already know that really well when people talk about stuff like this, mm -hmm. you know, some otherworldly beings come around to where you are and, you know, they kind of, I think they figure you're interested, we're interested, and now we're here and we're going to listen to you and, you know, like with, with your water yes. bottle thing. Yeah. Well, it, the strange thing is I had lights blinking off and on while he was sharing with me. And I'm just sitting in the living room. I have a couple of lamps there. And it's like going into the evening and my husband's at the other end of the house, you know, watching TV. And meanwhile, John's like excitedly telling me everything. And I'm trying to write everything down. I got my notebook and everything. And suddenly the lights just go off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm done. Let's and, and uh, you know, I'm like, what is. I'd be like, let's go to a restaurant, John. I'm done. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And, and the poor guy is like at least two and a half hours north of me. Let's and, um, you know, when he started talking about this, I said, I'll have to call you and give you a series of phone calls to get the whole entire story down. So we started making appointments and he was working, as you could tell from the book, he works a lot. So he was working all the way into, I don't even know, seven or eight at night or whatever. He's got a long drive from the work site. 
by the time he gets home, he calls me, it's already late. Mm -hmm. So it gets even really scarier trying to write down all that. And, and you could tell from his voice, you know, uh, how good a book it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And all the events there, I got to tell you, um, it, it was very, very difficult writing them down in, in the sense that because you got to be in the zone mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm trying not to write by myself, but it happens that way because I need the quiet to do it. I need the concentration. And um, this is one book where I, I was lost in it, writing it. And then strange things would happen. The dogs would suddenly bark. They would be looking out the window at something. And, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, please, I don't want someone to start knocking on the door in the dead of night. Well, <laughs> well I know the feeling, though, because um, I have one investigation that we do as a repeat because it's kind of a fun place to go. But on the other hand, there's a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. And the first time I was ever over there, we were filming for a TV show our TV show that we had Ooh. and I would get all the tapes home and something would always happen. We lose the audio. The tapes didn't feed, you know, the tapes didn't go, you know, feed right in, in the, into the laptop, nothing, you know, stuff like that. So it was, it, it had to be whatever was there following me home. Or I had a stack of tapes sitting up, uh, videotapes sitting up on my, my desk and I got up to go use the restroom and I saw them go flying across the room. The tapes got, got shot across the room. Like someone, you know, knock the whole stack over. Yeah. So I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I'm seeing as I'm reading this thing, you know, like I said, we're up to chapter 18 because I, I read last night as well. I'm seeing red flags already. And I mean, I can't imagine what he was really thinking at the time, you know, when, when this stuff was happening and the reports were coming in from these people. And, you know, and, and, and I don't want to give the whole plot away. You guys got to either, either get her book or listen to me read it okay um but uh yeah some of the things that were happening i i've heard i've had that happen before where i've had entities mock voices of my team members so it sounds like my team members but it's not you wait know, until you get to the basement okay that that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> that'll be a morning read by the way yeah <laughs> And and here's the stuff that really, this is the frustrating part about this whole thing. Because it changed hands about four times. Mm -hmm. And they had all kinds of, you know, construction teams coming in, trying to renovate. And then they walk out. And then they don't show up. Then they complain about, you know, I mean, they did everything they could to stall it because they don't really want to be there. Right. Um. By the time John told me the story, the owners had changed. And so they technically weren't allowed to go back in anymore. And they weren't allowed to disclose mm -hmm. where this place. And, and you know what? In retrospect, I would have liked to have seen that place become a museum instead of an inn. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that the owners kind of poo-pooed what you know, John's team recommended that they do to the place. Mm -hmm. And so they're still trying to fix it up with a new owner there because they want to make money. I mean, it's supposed right, to right, be an right. inn, right? And, you know, so they're trying to still fix up the place, but really it's not meant to be inhabited. Right. It really. Yeah. Isn't it? 
Yeah, go ahead. Things like that always make me wonder because I know there's a place up in Coloma up here that is very, very active. Lots of stories. In fact, they have a cemetery across the way, which is you know similar to this story. <laughs> but the new owners don't even give it. I guess I don't know if they don't give it a second thought, or they're so used to what goes on that they that that's just second nature now, or what. But I mean, there's a lot that goes on in this place, and a lot of history in this place, and it's it's not as not quite as as like that one. But I mean, it's enough to where it's been written up in a, in a lot of books here, you know, in California. Wow. Is that near Sacramento, Char? Yes. Where? Yeah. 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 It's up in the gold country. It's where they found gold. Oh. And I had experiences not inside the building, but outside the building, like on the, on the road near the cemetery. Mm -hmm. You know? And mm -hmm. I can tell you, there was, <laughs> uh, I was driving up there, you know, uh, back in the old days when they had Sony Mavica cameras. Everybody on TV had a Sony Mavica. Of course, I wanted one. Because I was at that point, I was still curious about ghosting. I hadn't started doing it yet, and so I got one. And I took my friend and I went up to the decided let's let's go up to Coloma by that house, you know, by, by that place and see. So I go driving up to Coloma. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take photos at that cemetery, right? So I get up there and I get near the house and I hear a voice in my head going, "Go home." Oh. And then I had this fear just grip me. I you know I couldn't explain it. White knuckled the steering wheel, drove all the way up to the to the monument up there, to the UE up there, came down, and as we're driving back, my friend my friend says, Look, there, there's a fog over at the cemetery, it's crossing the street. Oh my gosh. And I said, I'm not looking, I don't care. Off we went home. And the stories are that one of the ghosts from the house is buried. Well, they're all buried over there, but this particular ghost that's buried over there will cross back and forth. Well. So that was my experience outside. I never got in the house, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. That that would have been one horror movie right there, getting in the house and not being able to get out. Oh, yeah. So it makes you wonder, the people that live there now, and they've lived there for years, you know, it just makes you wonder if they've just come to terms with what goes on in there, or if it's a thing by family by family or person by person, you know, like maybe there's you know, you know owners. Don't experience, mm -hmm. you know, it happens with different personalities. Maybe somebody's psychic and, and that owns it or something, and that's what draws them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like this next book that's about to be released. I, I mean, it to me, you can interpret it one of two ways. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, I mean, uh, just to digress, it was one of those things where if you were a ufologist, you interpreted what was happening one way. But then if you were a paranormal investigator, you would say, oh, no, definitely this is an infestation. It's a haunted person. That's what we're dealing with. Right. You know, so there's like those two. And this is what drives me crazy. These two camps, you know, because I was involved in both. Mm -hmm. And there's always like this camp saying, no, they're here. The aliens are here. And you could tell that they're doing it. And then you have the other camp saying, no, it's all manifestations of some kind of entity that's a lower level entity. But you you really can't, to me, I can't really tell. Right. But that's, you know, because I'm not really technically an investigator. I'm just taking the narrative as it comes to me. And I think about like my personal experiences. Right. And I think to myself, okay, you could actually say they're coming from the same portal probably. 
you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I know after reading the story of the of the, of the, of the couple that got abducted in the Mojave Desert, mm-hmm. what happened afterwards, I started to wonder if ghost hunters are actually chasing after ghosts. That's that book made me wonder because some of the accounts that those people had when they when you know, the after effects when when they would come back to get them, mm-hmm. some of the accounts sound just like ghosts. You know, um, they can come through the walls, the room gets colder, you know, all this levitation, all this happens. And the voices, you know, the voices sound like they're, they're from dimensions away. So who's to say, and, and, and uh, who's to say that we're not chasing ghosts, we're chasing aliens? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's also reports with aliens that they will camouflage themselves, you know, to look like your deceased relatives to make you relax more when they take you aboard. Yeah. And that was the freakiest part about Unholy is when he was telling me that it was like, okay, I I, I could have sworn it was my wife talking to me. Mm-hmm. And then they come out and she's still in the van with yep. the door closed. Yep. He comes out and then they're like, oh, you weren't talking to us in there? She's like, no, I haven't gotten in the house yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mimic. Yep. Well, they mimic. That's spooky. That's spooky stuff. And that's when you know you're getting in real deep, too, when you got something that'll mimic like that. That's one of the first signs you're thinking, this isn't this isn't good. No, this is not grandma. This is not grandpa. This is something else altogether. Yeah. I love yeah. it. But he's so he's so meticulous in how he thinks, which is nice. But on the other hand, after doing this for 25 years right away, I'm like, whoa, okay. Dude, put the brakes on, you know, but that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's the book is well written. It's a great book. Thank you. Thank you. All your books are well written. It, it was a very absorbing way to spend the afternoon. You know, it was like one I I think this is one of those books where I actually spent almost every day for mm-hmm. about two hours writing. Because you know, once I started one particular chapter, I had to keep it in my head. I don't work from an outline. Mm-hmm. I basically work from my notes directly and I date them. So I know how they flow. Sure. And uh, in, in this one, it was like, once I started, I, I don't know if you guys got to dog scene yet. I don't know. I, no, probably not yet. Um, but, but there's a sequence of scenes that really just got me like, Oh my gosh, I, I got to write this through. And I think for that one, I must've been sitting four or five hours straight to just get it out of my head and out of the page and into into the laptop and to get it flowing because it was just and I couldn't believe when he told me this it, it was like an afterthought yeah he calls me one night and he goes oh by the way I forgot to tell you what happened to such and such when he went back in the evening and so on and found this object on the ground I was like okay and I'm thinking okay so it's like a some kind of human bone or whatever it was. Wow. And the guy takes it back with him in his van. Big mistake. What is it with people with stuff like that? Yeah. Like, don't take it. Don't touch it. Don't move it. And then the wife at the hospital with the apparition. And I can honestly, I, I, I can say this because I have, I have abilities. And when I first got involved with the paranormal, you know, full time with the paranormal with, with groups, 
it got, to, I was at the point where when I was working, I was seeing the people we were going to investigate before the investigation. It might be two, three days, but mm-hmm. they show up at my workplace. Oh, I would go into the bathroom, look over my shoulder. and There'd be an old lady standing there, you know, with, with one of those, well, you know how all, all our grandmas dressed, right? Back in the, back in those days when they had those apron things, those small. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Yeah, I look over my shoulder. There's this gray-haired lady standing behind me, and she's got one of those little one of those smock things with little blue dots on it. And then I turn back around, and she's gone. So almost every investigation I was going on, I was seeing stuff before the investigation. So that's what I thought of when I, you know, with the wife's story from the hospital, and I just thought, whoa, you know, <laughs> all these bells are going off. You know, this is your fault. I got to hand it to you. You have a lot of guts. If I saw an apparition before an asbestos, I, I don't think I'd want to be going. <laughs> that would be enough for me. I'm just glad it was an old lady. <laughs> Anything else, I would have been like, oh, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. A sweet old lady in a smock. I'm good, you know. <laughs> have you seen, you know, talking about your next book that you have coming up, have you ever seen a UFO? Uh, actually, yes. Uh I talked about that in my very first book mm-hmm. and it was, it was actually close to here. I was on my way to work and I remember this. It's 5.55 AM. Cause you know, I worked in a school, right? I was a school counselor. So I would get up really early, like sometimes quarter five and be out on the road at 5.55. Cause it took me an hour to get to work and I'm going down the hill out of the development and it's all trees all around me on this very slim road. And at that time of morning, it's still pretty dark. So the only thing I had were the lights from my vehicle. And as I was going down in the distance, I see the Wawa about three streets away on a corner and right above it. This is very hard to believe. It looked like, you know, a man's comb that he would buy for like a dollar. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're usually like maybe black. Sure. Picture that bent with several different like green, pink, yellow, and blue shimmering colors. Just, I would say less than 500 feet above the local Wawa. Wow. And I I can't even describe the movement. It was like, you know, someone took the comb and bent it. And it's like all these different colors. And it was so bright. I thought, what is this? Mm -hmm. And instantly I stepped on the brake to slow down. And I got to the intersection and there was a car in front of me. And the guy was like straining. to <laughs> He was straining the look. And then he speeded like really fast away. And then it's one of those things too. At the time I already had a cell phone. It was right next to me on the seat. And because I was with MUFON, I had one of these um, directional compasses. Mm-hmm. And I looked down and the cell phone was, it was on bright red. You know how like on the top of your cell phone, after you charge it, it'll say 100%. Right. It was like saying 18% or something. Suddenly it was like 
all the battery was gone. So I started turning the wheel. I had my eyes glued to it, but at the same time, I was trying to see if there was any other cars. Of course, there weren't, right? Mm -hmm. And I started going down the road. And as I'm going down the road, I can feel something flickering behind me and realize that whatever it was suddenly got smaller Mm -hmm. but it was still very bright. Now it was like white hot in color. It was like a huge star and it was shadowing me as I was going down this winding road. Oh, that's spooky. So the town technically was only three miles away. And by the time I parked in front of the bagel barrel, I was looking around and I shot out of the car. I mean, I leaped out of the car. I didn't want to be alone on the curb looking at this thing. And something else was showing itself to be stationary, but I don't think it was the same one. It was very um, bizarre. When you talk about the one that you just described, that's similar to something I saw when I was a kid. And I saw it out my front door, and I thought it was the good because my dad was into taking me to you know the Goodyear blimp was in town, you know, it would fly, it would fly around. Uh huh. Just hovered in the sky. And I remember it was like kind of like a harvest moon color, but the outside had colored lights. And it was it just stayed for me, it seemed like it stayed forever, but I was like, I couldn't have been more than like eight or like nine or ten, you know. But I remember this thing distinctly, and I remember going, Dad, look, it's a good year blimp. And he goes, Well, that's not the blimp, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. But then it, it disappeared. And there's something weird about the quality of the color. Yeah. Yes. It's almost like um, it's almost like it's going in and out. Mm -hmm. Hard to describe. When you haven't seen one, it's hard to describe to someone who hasn't seen one. But once you see it, you know that's what that is, mm -hmm. that it doesn't somehow it doesn't belong there or you're not supposed right. to be seeing that right. is the feeling I had. Right. Yeah, and, and like as a kid, you know that that's all I'd ever seen at night, like that. And the sky was a Goodyear blimp, so of course that's what I, I, I automatically associated it with. But it wasn't. There's no way. Yeah, that that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Do you think you've been abducted? Who me personally? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever had missing time. Okay. Uh, I would say I I don't uh, I I don't feel anything uh, around you know, my arms or my cheeks or behind my ear that's been, um, you know, impaled into me or whatever they do to get that in there without, you know, you being able to remove it. Um, but the woman in this book, it, it's hard to believe, Charlotte, I've never had, uh, I've never talked to anyone uh, that had such a detailed experience that started when they were young and followed them. I mean, she was, she lived in a building with her family. And then from there lived in a trailer with her husband, then moved into her grandfather's house. And, and I know what you're going to tell me. I can hear you telling me this because I've had paranormal investigators telling me this. It followed her. Yeah. Everywhere she moved. And on top of that, there were also some things and I, to this day, 
I try and ask her because I'm still in contact with her, being that the book is pretty recent. Mm -hmm. um, I try and ask her, what do you think was writing in the back of the car? And, you know, it, it's just, as the book says, it's undefinable, whatever it is. But something, they were, it was her fiance at the time. Mm -hmm. They were driving towards her parents' house. They had moved out of the building, which was in the center of town. This is a very small town. She was engaged and they were looking at a trailer home. The parents were now retired and they were living in a house that was past a forest, a, a wooded area. Mm -hmm. So in order to get to the house, they had to go down this road, this of course, lonely road mm -hmm. that had farms on the right and on the left. And eventually it went into the wooded areas and then to the house. It really wasn't very far from the town. But for some reason, they had just left the bar. They were visiting with friends and having a few drinks. It was after work and it was getting on in the evening and they were supposed to go to her parents. I think it was for a late dinner. So they got into the car and they're driving down the road. And as soon as they left the town limits and the houses became scarce, they entered the wooded area and they felt something distinctly leap into the back of the car. It was holding on to the trunk and she could hear the scratching and her fiance at the time looked at the rear view and you could just see his face. And she tried to turn. He says, no, don't look. Don't look. Do you have your seatbelt on? She says, yes. What is that? And, and you could hear the motor revving, fighting to gain ground so that they could keep moving. What is it? She said, what is it? Mm -hmm. He's like, don't look, don't look. Is your door locked? He had reached over, over her, to make sure the door was locked. He wanted her to roll up the window. This was like a late spring night, so it was getting warm. So she rolled up the window, and, and she was getting really terrified. And it was just holding on. So finally, they decided they were going to go back to the bar to see if they could shake it off. They went back to the bar, and as soon as they re-entered the town limits, they felt the weight come off of the car. Wow. But just like the movies, they go in. He's trying to tell his friends all about it. He won't tell her what he had seen because he didn't want to scare her. And, you know, when people don't tell you what they've seen, it makes it worse in your head. Because now you're thinking about what it could be and what it could be could be even worse than what it might have been. Mm -hmm. One of the friends offers to go back with them. He said, do you want me to ride along, you know, just to make sure you have an additional person in there for protection in the backseat? Beyonce refuses, says, no, we're, we're going to go ahead. I'm sure whatever it is, is gone. Mm -hmm. 
They get back in the car. He's driving. And guess what happens? Wow. It comes back into the car. It Now it's like on the roof. That's and true. it's that way until they get to the parents' house. That is spooky. That is one of those things that, you know, I, I don't know what to call it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that you would call that a ghost. Like, to me, it sounds more like there was some kind of cryptid, perhaps. Yeah, yes. That yes. was writing on him. But these yep. things keep happening to her. It's like just one village of strangeness, one thing after another. Sometimes a person can be haunted. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I was just thinking about my car and the automatic door locks. Oh. So if something like that gets into my gets onto my car, and let's say even a, even a UFO stops that because you know how they drain the batteries, right? Mm-hmm. I'd be dead, or they'd have to they would take me because my my doors would automatically unlock the minute the power's off. What What do you think? Do you know anyone who's been abducted or feels like they've been? I don't. Well, I do from doing interviews here on the show, but I really don't. I think I might have been many years ago, mm -hmm. but I haven't been regressed yet. Oh, that should be interesting. Yeah, I did a thing with a friend, friend of mine in the car where we lost at, at least an hour to an hour and a half time. Ended up in a totally different city. Oh, you're kidding. Mm -mm. Can't explain it. That's like one of those missing 411 situations. Yeah. Yep. It was weird. Did you whole... ever figure out? Did anyone ever like examine you to see if there were any marks on you? No, or... I didn't think about it. It was just too weird. And I don't know why we didn't do anything. But I didn't believe, really believe real heavy back then. So I just went with it. <laughs> it was just weird. And the weird thing about it was as we're driving, it looked like we had gone through like a time warp. Oh, because everything on the freeway looked like it had when I was a little kid. It took you back. It took me back. It was really weird. And all the houses disappeared because there were a lot of businesses alongside of the road, you know, small, you know, like Walmarts and all this other stuff. They were gone. Yeah. It was all my farmland. It was weird. Like we went through a portal or something on the freeway. You know, it's it. There's something called lucid dreaming, and then there's something called missing time. Mm -hmm. And um, I, my co-author was telling me, you know, the book is about him as well. So yeah. it weaves his story, and then weaves the lifetime abductee story along with it. Mm -hmm. And while we were sitting down, and this started way back in um, probably the beginning of November before Thanksgiving, when we started talking about, you know, putting this all together. Mm -hmm. And he opened with, I have a lot of lucid dreams. And I'm really not that familiar with what a lucid dream is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not an expert on dreaming or anything like that. But he was saying that there were times where he would just sit in his chair. You know, and this is like when things were still warm before winter. Right. And he would start thinking about 
things. And eventually it would end up being one of those meditations. And he would lose track of time without meaning to lose track of time. And some of them, he it would continue into the evening when he was sleeping. And the position of the furniture would change. You know, his bed was kind of like in a certain way compared to where the entrance to the bedroom is. And suddenly things were reversed. And he would find himself feeling that there were two entities in the room on either side of the bed. And he said it was so clear mm-hmm. as day that they were, in this case, they were American Indian. Wow. And they were trying to communicate to him. One of the dreams got so vivid that when he got up in the morning, he actually took the covers off his legs Because in the dream, he was walking into the tree line in the back of his property. Mm -hmm. And he walked right through the forest. And in the middle was a clearing. And there was a man standing there right next to this object that was glimmering. And the guy said, without moving his lips said to Tom in his head, we need to borrow your energy. And he said, how do you do that? And he said, come with me. And this object looked like it was so small, he wondered how he was going to fit in it. So the guy escorts him into what looks like an opening. And next thing you know, he's in this huge cavernous room that was seemingly impossible based on what it looked like from the outside. And there was a guy lying on some kind of platform. Mm -hmm. It was just like the entity that was standing in front of him. And he said that he needed healing and Tom was going to provide that. Interesting. Wow. What do you think of that? That is something. I've never heard anything. I mean, I I know about lucid dreaming, but I never heard anything like that. That's incredible. It's like he went back in time. Yeah, it was so weird because he came out of there. He started walking and he noted, I mean, he was wearing his pajamas. He was bare with bare feet. And he could, he could feel the air. He could feel the leaves crunching underfoot as he was walking back. So the next morning he woke up, he was like, I must have been out there. So, of course, he opens up the covers to take a look at his feet to see if they were dirty. Mm-hmm. And eventually he started, because it, it kept happening, Char. And he started asking his wife, you know, when, when I'm asleep, do I go anywhere? Mm-hmm. But does she sleep through it or does or does she just see him do this or what, what, well what, she what, has what, a what, habit 
it's it's funny because they kind of have opposite schedules. She has a habit of staying up and reading at night. So she actually sits by the edge of the bed on a chair with a lamp and the window right behind her. So all this time, she could have been a witness to what was happening with him. But mm -hmm. she swears that he's always there. And she said, well, you know, some nights I do, you know, go to sleep earlier, relatively. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't know. But you've always been here. Physically, his body has always been there. Right, right. But then, you know, they talk about screen memories. Right. But there's, you know, there's there's mediums and psychics out there that can travel out of body like that. Because I know a couple on my team where they um, can have these experiences and not realize they're having these experiences. You know, and then they'll just leave their body and go to wherever. And then they come back. Yeah. And in one of the cases I did, a friend of mine's daughter came and visited me in a dream. But she oh, my God. She, she didn't know she'd done it. Did you see her? Yeah. We actually had a conversation in the dream. And then I told my friend, and my friend goes, really? Because my, 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 my friend is psychic. And I said, mm. well, you know, your, your daughter came to me, and she goes, did really? Because she had no idea that she had abilities at all. And the girl never knew either. But the girl didn't remember the dream where I did. But she, but so the thing that, that tipped it off for me was it had to be, like, probably her first or second time doing it. Because, I don't know, if you've been around people that are psychic like that, Mm -hmm. If they exert themselves like that and they're not used to doing it, they're exhausted the next day. Just exhausted. Yeah. And I, yeah, know, I, I asked her. Yeah, and I asked her and I said, has your daughter been sleeping all day? And she goes, yeah, why? And I said, because she came to me in a dream. You know, so that was the first time she'd ever traveled out of body. My gosh. But people do do that. So that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, to have him do that in his dream. Or what he thinks is a dream, a lucid dream to go. Yeah. Yeah. And they probably yeah. not, They probably live on land. Of course, that was Native American at one time. And, you know, the Native Americans are still there. And, you know, they, they were doing stuff on the land. And so he got to see it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's very cool. It's it's very interesting how it it became interactive. Yes. Because what started with him was it was actually a Facebook group um, mm -hmm. that was meditating as a group of people mm -hmm. in order to bring about a sighting. And I, I've never heard of anything like that until Tom told me about it. He said it's actually a forum on Facebook where they come together and they meditate on a particular night to try to get. A sighting. Sure. Sighting is in aliens, is in a right. UFO in the sky. To open themselves up, yeah. To open themselves up. As soon as he tuned into that and he became interested, I think that's when things started to really change for him. Yep. It was almost like he was inviting them in. Mm -hmm. And then eventually he started interacting. They started interacting with him. I'm always telling people that. We're all born psychic. The difference is that with, with some people, as they grow older, because they get busy, busy with life and doing their thing in life, that they suppress it. And all it takes is a trigger, like him getting involved with that group, to open himself up without realizing it. 
Yeah. 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 So, uh, and, and then suddenly you can't stop it because now they're because connected. The door's open. Yeah. 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 Yep. And I think that's, you know, what happened to the woman too. I'm sure. Because psychics like to attract, like to be around other psychics. Mm-hmm. So everybody you're going to meet, once you open up like that and you start seeing things or whatever, everybody you meet is going to be a psychic. Because, I don't know, it's just it's just like the energy draw together. Yeah. You know? But yeah, well, that, everything you've told me is right in line with what, with, with what I've learned over the years. There's something interesting, a book I read a while back, and I'm trying to grapple right now with the title of it, but it involves the concept that we're all in a field and whatever signals and vibrations we send, we reach out to those that are in the same area of the field and we automatically connect with them without even, you know, making an effort. They just kind of appear into our consciousness Mm -hmm. You know, like when when you and I started talking, and this is probably now a couple of years yeah. since I've guessed it on your show, yeah. I've met so many people who are sensitive, who are psychic. Um, it, it's just amazing to me how things tend to accelerate. Yes. And when I started talking about, you know, just the benevolent beings, the things that would protect you from these types of negative entities. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I had more access to the protection mm-hmm. without really actively asking for it. It was as if it was just the vibration that I was sending out. And I'm trying to remember the book. I mean, it was a great book, uh, Wilcox. Andrew Wilcox, just to drop the name book that I read way back. He he really believed that, you know, we're all in a field. And then whatever pebble you throw in the water, the water ripples and you end up reaching the right type of people that end up becoming a network for you. That makes perfect sense. Absolutely perfect sense. Yep. Do you agree with that? I agree with that 100%. I mean, I, I can tell you that my abilities, I had them as a kid. In fact, I do this thing on TikTok. Well, you see it every once in a while where I'll tell what happened when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But when I got involved with my first paranormal, with the first paranormal group, and there were three or four psychics there, all of a sudden everything exploded. To the point I'd be driving home in my car after meetings and flashlights were turning on and off by themselves in my car. And then I was attracting more psychics. I, I, I go to the store and somebody would go, I need to talk to you. I, I'm a psychic and I see stuff around you. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you do, you do pull that in. And I agree with that. It's like, it's like, like they used to talk about people with animal magnetism. Remember? <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, that's what I think it's like. And then you got this magnetism thing going on with your abilities and they're just naturally drawn to you, your energy, your aura is yeah. out there. I, I used to go to the cemetery and people would tell me my inner, my, my aura was such that I would have a conga line of people, be, of, of, of ghosts behind me. Oh. Jeez. Because they like my energy. I was like, I was like Carol Ann. 
were Boulder guys. They were all there, right? You know? And so, yeah, so I'd make a joke out of it and go, one, two, three, and one, two, three, and let's walk this way. You know? But I, mean, I agree with him 100% because I, I think that's what it is. You, you, you draw birds of a feather. Like they say, birds of a feather, right? You know, you just draw people with, with similar energies to you. Yeah. It's pretty neat because you don't even have to travel in order to make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's it's an interesting field to study. That's for sure. You know, to, if they ever figure it out, and you know, for reals, as they say, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out. You know, because it's still it's a, it, it's a, it's an exact science. So everybody's got theories and guessing, but yeah, his is really that's really a good theory. Yeah. That's an excellent you know, I always wondered what brings about these types of visitations. Mm -hmm. And this this book that's coming out made me think. And that was the first thing when we were talking and I was interviewing these two people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my co-author said to me, initially it started with just writing his memoir. And then he said, well, you, you really need to contact this lady. She has quite a story to tell, but the other piece of this is that it's time for her to reveal what's been happening to her for an entire, you know, this woman is now in her early seventies and I, it didn't even take much of an effort. I mean, the woman reached out to me mm -hmm. next thing I knew, you know, I had shared my phone number and we were talking. I didn't know it was her initially. And then he started divulging who it was. So the next time I talked to her, I understand you've had some interesting experience. And then it just went from there. Sure. And what's remarkable about it is that there's always some kind of a catalyst that brings it about. It's like, you know, you've heard the term, let sleeping dogs lie. Right. And I believe that when there's something tragic that happens and something violent that happens, mm -hmm. you know, places become haunted sure. because of the ghosts that are stranded trying to figure out what happened to them. Absolutely. This is one of those where, you know, her father unwittingly brought home an object going oh back to haunted objects. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, and and this one, Charlotte, was pretty pretty potent. The object was what they call a Luger. It was a gun that was used by Germans. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So I won't go on from there, but it, I to me that I personally put together the fact that okay, was there anything happening before that? Right. And it seemed like that kind of led to a quickening as okay. soon as that was introduced into the house. You are an excellent paranormal investigator. You know that? Me? Yeah. <laughs> because when, oh. we go in, when we go in to talk to people, I have a hundred question questionnaire. Okay. Okay. When we okay. go in to talk to people, that's one of the questions we ask. Do you have any antiques in the house? And what kind of activity hap happened before you brought the antiques in? Wow. 
That's one of the standard questions. So you can start putting the puzzle together, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because you, there's always a trigger. Just like with people, and you, you were with MUFON, just like with people that are that are contactees. Their psychic abilities, again, may be hidden, but after their contactees, a lot of them are working psychics now because they had to communicate mentally with these aliens. Yeah. There's always a driving force behind the stuff. Every time. You should it, it just means. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Without meaning to be. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's one of those things where you're like, okay, I have to have a theory here. Right. I right. have to figure out like why this is happening because um, even towards the end, I was really, really, very perplexed mm-hmm. about the situation. And there were so many things that were happening ongoing. Um, and then Tom started getting photographs mm-hmm. from the lady. Uh, and he just didn't know what to do. She was out of reach. She was isolated from, you know, it was a very conservative community. Right. She did not feel comfortable telling anyone what was happening to her. It wasn't until later when she started telling her kids. Wow. I can't wait to read that one. I'll tell you. (laughs) Woo. You know? This one is actually longer. It's funny because now it's on pre-order. It, it came out pre-order today. And um, it's only the Kindle version that you can pre-order. The paperback, you have to wait until the 18th of April. But Amazon, as Amazon does, uh, reduced the font. Thank goodness, Kindle, you can expand the font. But yes. they reduced it, the writing, into like four or something like that. Something ridiculously small. Ridiculous crap. Uh, small. Yeah. So now it's like 210 pages. I said, there's no way. This is probably one of the longest books I've ever written because it involved two different lives, you know, and, and I'm putting them back and forth, you know, between what was happening to him and then what was happening to her back and forth until towards right. the end when they they finally meet. Now that's going to be a good one to read. I have to put that one on our on our read list. Oh, thank you. Love, love, love. We love your books. That we might take quite a few months, though. <laughs> <laughs> Reading every Sunday, that's going to take quite a few months. Well, the Salem Witch Trial book, I started that uh, just before Thanksgiving. And then I stopped it to read Christmas stuff, you know, little Christmas cool. uh, horror stories. Then I yeah. started up again, so we started back in January, and we just finished that the what the weekend before this last weekend. That's how big that one was. So wow, I can, I can do big yeah. things. Yeah, it's all good, you know. Cool. Yeah. Um, that sounds so fascinating. It makes me it makes me want to go out and interview the lady, you know, and go talk to her and see what's going on with her, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, wow, that's something. But I could see it like like with that, you know, bringing that gun in the house. I could understand that. I mm-hmm. had Roman antiquities here, you know, and I did it to myself. So I know what it's like, you know, and then all that stuff starts. And sometimes you're just sensitive enough to where, like I said, stop, the house stops being haunted, but you're haunted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it's one of those things where how do you shake it? 
Right. You know, how do you get rid of it when you can't tell anyone? No, right. no one will believe you. Um, it, it took to the point where she started having physical marks. Wow. And that's when, you know, she started really reaching out because she was getting hurt. Sure. Absolutely. And you know, yeah. that is uh, for, for like, uh, the, I'm not saying it's a demon. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. But that is, you know, she's she's alone like that. She's cut off, you know, from being able to talk to people. And that's all the, you know, that's what they're looking for. That's what yeah. the bad stuff is looking for. It's, it's looking for that, that that isolation factor. That way they can isolate you more, even more so. Yes, I believe that. I do. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those insidious things where you don't even realize that you're actually being isolated. And they want you to be in a remote location. They yes. want you to be alienated. Yep. Uh, and it was happening to her for a long time. She was yep. alienated by her own husband. Yep. Uh, and anything that was trying to protect her, including her animals, couldn't protect her. Right. Absolutely. Dang. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, it's And now that you've started writing these types of stories, mm -hmm. okay, these types of books, they're going to come to you. Oh, great. <laughs> now that you started that? Because I Don't remember we, we got a shaman on our team and we started doing a couple demonology cases. And for the longest time, that's all we got. Really? For alleged de demon cases, yeah. For the longest time. It was tiring. <laughs> you know, every case. Oh, my gosh. It's like once you open the door and, and, and everybody knows that, that, that you're going to handle that kind of thing, boom. Everybody in the universe, you know, and it, it just all floods at you. Oh, my. Well, I always do my prayers of protection. And right before I sit down to write, I always make sure that I have like a circle of light all around me. And it's it's interesting because you're fighting with dualism, you know, two opposing forces. And it becomes more and more obvious to me that that's what this is about. Yeah. Absolutely. It's very interesting. I, I have a cross that I got from my dad's funeral that was supposed to be cut from the rock where, where Jesus was entombed. That's what the Catholic Church told me. So, you know, I'm going to go with the Catholic Church. So I have that. That's my last resort if I really get into something that's really, really bad. I figure if I whip that out, you know. Not much is going to yeah. deal with that, you know, but yeah, I always, I do that too. I have my, my stuff on the walls, you know, for protection and I make sure I'm protected before I, I look at any of this stuff. I brought stuff home with me where I've gotten scratched. Even we'll just listen to EVPs. Yeah. You were saying, I mean, I, I can't imagine that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's spooky, but I mean, like going back to this woman, I mean, that's like, like, like we said, that's what they look for. They, they, they want to cut you off from everything. Because they want to have that control or whatever it is wants to have that control over you. One of the things that was very uncanny about the book um, that was a little unexpected to me. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Tom told me was a particular dream he had as he was getting to know her and he'd known her for several years before he introduced her to me. Mm -hmm. She started telling him about um, 
these entities that were entering the room. And some of them, I mean, it was very obvious that they were evil. Mm -hmm. Some of them looked like they were victims of the war. Small children that looked like they had been burned. Wow. And in one particular night, he was very troubled by what he was hearing. He actually had to shut off his cell phone, put it face down, and give himself a break from it. He found himself exhausted and drained. He went to sleep only to wake up at one point in the night where he distinctly heard the sound of chains being dragged on the floor. Wow. And something was coming towards him. Whatever it was, it was so terrifying to him. And he could not move. He could not open his eyes to protect himself. Mm -hmm. He was getting closer and closer. Wow. Yeah, it did. It, 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 it. Ended up drawing to him. I think he got to the point where he was able to wake up. I'm sorry. Did, did he? Was he able to get rid of it? I don't know that he got rid of it. Mm -hmm. But I think what happened was he he knew what it was about. That he was getting too close to the situation. Yes. And so he took a break and he started writing a book that he had been meaning to continue. But it's one of those things where it keeps creeping up to him because he was studying abductees. And out of the 50 people that he got from a questionnaire that he sent out, she was one of five. <laughs> and her story evolved so much so that it was so different and so intense uh, that he kept in touch with her. But the information she was sharing was just too much to take. Right. And that's okay. what's in the book. So how did you manage to, I mean, if he was having problems with it, how did you manage to deal with it? You are psychic. <laughs> because that leads to the next so he had told me this, and then that particular night, I actually went to bed a little earlier than usual. And, um, and, and that's probably why we, you know, scheduled the show earlier, because I usually go to bed at nine. Mm -hmm. So that particular night, I did go to bed at nine. And my husband was downstairs. He's a sports fanatic, so he watches every kind of conceivable sports event and whatever. And he tapes them. So he was downstairs. I was alone on the second floor and I wake up to the bed shaking. Now I'm not prone to nightmares. I sleep very well. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, once in a while, like if I have like an allergy problem, like I do tonight, you know, I might stay up a little longer trying to figure out a way to get rid of it. But for most nights, I sleep like a baby. I'm pretty much, you know, when I dream, they're usually good dreams. Mm -hmm. Well, this one, the bed was shaking. And I was 
trying to get out of the bed is the impression I got from myself because I thought, why is it shaking? Mm -hmm. And the next thing I knew, I heard what Tom had heard. There were chains being dragged across the floor from the foot of my bed on the other end. And you had to remember that my bedroom is carpeted. Right. There's no way you're going to hear chains wow. on the floor. So it got closer and closer. And, you know, your your fear factor kind of gets up there and you figure, oh, I'm going to end this and I'm going to reach out mm -hmm. because I can and I'm going to turn the light on. Mm -hmm. So I reached out, turned the light on. Of course, there's nothing there. And I instinctively reached for the Bible because I do have one on the dresser. Mm -hmm. I reached for the crucifix. I put the Bible right next to me on the bed, put the crucifix there. I said a prayer. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to shut the light off. So I did probably about 10 minutes later. And the bed was shaking again. Mm -hmm. I was like, this darn thing is vehement. Mm -hmm. So I turned the light on again while I still can. It disappears. I get out of the bed. I figured maybe we are having, I mean, you're in California, right? Right. We don't have earthquakes here, but you know what? There's always a first time. Yeah, you so never I know. Go yeah. And I said to my husband, I get to the living room. You know, was the house shaking? Was there an earthquake? And he's looking up at me like, you know, you're crazy. It's like, no. Nothing's happening here. Not that I could tell. So I go right back upstairs again. This time I say the rosary. Shut the light off. Leave the Bible at the side of the bed. The rosary right there in plain sight. I turn over and I go to sleep and it never came back. Wow. Dang. Whatever that is, is powerful. Yeah, I would say it's probably, I, I talked to a friend who was a, um, speaking of psychics. Mm -hmm. She's a, she's a good friend as well. And her interpretation was that creature probably sent a low level entity. Yes. Like a servant, a minion, minion. <laughs> you know, to kind of deter you from writing it or scare you or you know do whatever they like to do mm -hmm. and i said well it didn't succeed wow yeah there's low level demons i mean they're, and they're and they're so low level that is that your cell phone that's weird did you hear your cell phone? Yeah, I've heard it a couple of times. So I don't know if it's mine or yours. No, uh, mine was vibrating because I have it on silent. I do too. That's weird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't like us talking about it. No. <laughs> Whatever. I'll just call in my relatives. They'll kick its butt. But... <laughs> That was weird because I heard it earlier. I didn't want to say anything. And I was like, is that me or you? No, I was thinking maybe you were texting me. 
Because you were looking down just when I, my cell phone was vibrating as well. Yeah, see, I was trying to figure out where it was coming from. Yeah. That's weird. That, that's weird. Yeah. I'm going to say weird, not creepy, but weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's the timing, you know? Mm hmm. Pretty wow. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But you managed to get done writing the book. Did you have any other instances after that? No, not really. I think, you know, that was like a lesson for me to say, right. okay, you know, you know when to stop, you know how deeply you want to delve into it. Right. So if you're, you're thinking that you're, you're over your head, that's a signal that you're over your head. Right. Stop, go to mass. You know, I'm Roman Catholic, so that's my method. Sure. I mean, everybody has a different method, but I went into church. I got communion. I knelt in front of the Virgin Mary and I said, Hey, if you want me to stop, I'm very happy to stop. Um, otherwise, could you like be with me while I write this? And and I really felt an intensity that was very different when I picked it up and started writing again. It, nothing was bothering me. Uh, it was very bright in the room. It was just a very light feeling, Char. And, and I felt very good after I finished it. Mm -hmm. I soldiered through it and I felt very protected. How long would it take you to write it? Um, I started gathering the information from the two people in November, paused a little bit for Christmas break, and then I started writing it the middle of January. Wow, that was fast. Very fast. Yeah, I would say probably about an hour, two hours every day, depending. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got it written. Thank you. Other in, you know, issues. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes they don't like you getting the information out, boy. You know, they'll try to stop you. Yeah, yeah. Well, they like to scare. I that's the tactic I've been seeing. Yeah. Is that you know they'll they'll probably even talk through the person. And I've had one conversation where I thought, is that really her talking, or is there somebody else talking trying to threaten me? And I thought. Yeah, it's out there. Yeah. And they were both very relieved to be able to tell their story. But that's the other thing, too. When they know they have you scared, they're going to come more because they have you weakened. Yeah. So you have to stand your ground. Right. With some of this stuff. Well, yeah. Wow. We already know them, so. Yeah. Yep. This has been fantastic. It's been over an hour already. You believe that? Every time. You're huh? kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I talk too much. <laughs> Hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. There we go. Oh boy. go. Every time. But I want to thank you. It's always great to have you on. It's always fun to have you on. Thank you. Thank you and, so uh, much for the opportunity again. It's always fun talking to you and catching up. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I hope you do enjoy the book while you're reading it and you don't have any more of those knock the bottles off the shelf type of episodes. Yeah. Well, you know what? It, it, it goes along with the territory so you just got got you know set your mind that that's going to happen but uh it, it threw me you know because I, I i've read ghost books like all year the last three or four years you know online like like this and done all this stuff and then that one did it you know so it's kind of cool kind of cool and kind of scary at the same time cool <laughs> <laughs> can you tell everybody what books you've written because my computer crashed about three minutes before the show started so i didn't get a oh, chance no. to get 
get the little printout thing that I always do for you at the end. Because can you tell everybody the titles of your books? Okay, uh, so I have a website that's under my name, AnnaMariaManaloAuthor.com, and in that there's direct links to um, Amazon. The first book I wrote is called Portal: A Lifetime of Paranormal Experiences. Uh, it's kind of semi-autographical. I'll come out with that now. Um, it also has stories from my days with MUFON, as well as stories from accounts from people all over the world when I was traveling as a photographer. Uh, the second one I wrote, you read that, Char. That was um, The Way Through the Woods. You read that here on your show. Uh, that's about a German girl who escapes through the woods and uh, encounters a lot of things that she never thought she would. And that's called The Way Through the Woods. The third one is Haunted Heirlooms. Uh, that is close to my heart because I know those people very well. And that's about four antique owners plus my own experience with a haunted chair. Uh -huh. uh, and then that takes us to Unholy Structure, which is the one you're currently reading. Right. And then in a couple of weeks, we're releasing The Night Visitants. And this, this time it's with a co-author and it is independently published. Um, I do have a publisher beyond the fray, but this particular one, I have a co-author who self-publishes. So he published it under his rubric, under his own imprint. Right on. All right. Well, I want to thank you. I'm going to let you go to bed. I know you like to go to bed early. <laughs> thank and, you. Uh, we'll have to get you back on, which we will eventually back on again to have, have another chat. I hope everybody enjoyed this. This is how our chats go. This is why we lose control, like the one we did three hours. <laughs> so watch that clock. <laughs> I remember that night. And you went, what, what time? And I went, yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> oh. This for three hours. Oh, but, my uh, gosh. Thank you so much. You, you, thank you. Friend. You know, you and I hit it off right away with the first interview, and here we are, right? Yeah. And we're always talking back and forth on online, and it's, it's a nice little relationship we have. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all these years. Thank you so much. And someday I'll meet you in person when I get out someday. there. Someday, someday, maybe I'll come back there. I don't know. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Cool. That would be wonderful. You never know. You know. All right, Anna, go get some sleep. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good okay. Good night. We find the button. There we go. Ah, there you are. Okay. It's always fun to have her on. Uh, we have really good conversations and uh, yeah, I always look forward to it. Anyway, tomorrow we're changing gears a little bit. Well, not really. We're going to be talking UFOs tomorrow, but we're going to be talking aliens. We're going to be talking, do the, does the government know about what's going on above us in the skies with the aliens? Did President Dwight D. Eisenhower make a, have an agreement with the aliens. That's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Uh, my guest is Paul Blake Smith. He's written a book on the topic. So he's going to be joining us at 6.30 p.m. Pacific tomorrow to talk about just that. I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. We did start out earlier because, like Anna says, she likes to go to bed early. I'm accommodating. I'm good. Sometimes it gets me off an hour earlier tonight. So I want to thank all of you for coming. And again, if a quick reminder, if you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see and heard and you haven't... Uh, follow me yet, please be sure to follow California Haunts Radio or follow me directly and you'll get updates to when all these shows are on. We have a, we have a page called California Haunts Ghostly Events also where these are advertised. So if you guys want to join that page, that'd be great too. If you're watching from YouTube and you like and you like what you see and heard tonight, please be sure to uh, subscribe 
check out the rest of our videos and uh, we'll go from there. And I'm also doing YouTube shorts and stuff too for fun. TikTok. If you have a TikTok and you want to check us out over there, be sure to check us out at California Haunts. And we're also at, on Twitter and yeah, and Instagram under Go Ghosty Gal. Uh, we have a Patreon page, and I think I have the link down in the bottom but below uh, Anna's information. And this Patreon page is a thing we're starting up. Um, you know, I do a lot of pre-records with clients that might be over in the UK and different places like that. Well, I'll meet with them like tomorrow. I'm, I'm doing a pre-record with a gentleman that lives in Australia, and uh, or I think London. It's I think it's eight hours different, so I, I think he's over in the UK. Anyway, I'll I'll interview him tomorrow at noon, and these things, you know are stuff that I will post on YouTube as part of the show at a later date. But for the page, for my Patreon people, I will post them one to two weeks in advance of the actual video showing. So that's one of the pluses that I, that I'm offering over on Patreon. Plus these guests like maybe Anna Maria, Nancy Matz, you know, some of these guests, you know, that, are, that you guys want to hear more from, we want, I'm starting to set it up so that we can have one-on-ones with them over on the Patreon as well. And that would be an extra, kind of thing you know that would be an extra the reason why the patreon's there is you know you see that ticker running below where i'm asking you know for for um for some donations because we have to support this thing it's like we're like pbs we have to keep the things on the air we got you know we got to pay the internet we have to pay the power we have to pay everything else to keep this thing on the air computer goes down i have to pay for it, it all comes out of my pocket so one of the ways that i was hoping to get help with those during the month which i think might be a lot of e a lot easier on people is the Patreon is five fifty a month, and you get all that extra stuff besides what goes on on the show. You get all that extra stuff. Might even do some live ghost hunts over there, you know. But uh, I was, you know, I'm just getting that Patreon started. So just go on over and check it out. In fact, right now I have a video up, the first video for Patreon members only. It is with uh, Paul and Cyan Hamden, and it, it, it's about the after effects of their um, alien abduction. So you should check that out. But in order to check it out, you have to be a Patreon. So just check it out. Head on over there. Links links under Anna's bio. 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 Can't even talk right. But anyway, I want to thank you all for coming tonight. I'm going to take off here. And I think you guys should go enjoy your meal and enjoy the rest of your evening. But I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And we will be talking to President Dwight P. Eisenhower and his connection with aliens. Have a great night. See ya.